Hello, friends. Welcome again to another episode of the Pilot Podcast. It's been a minute, but we are uh, back again. One in North Carolina, one in Texas, one in Alabama. And we have a guest with us today. Uh, we'll mention who he is in just a moment. In fact, our guest yesterday uh, made me sin because he sent me a text message at 538 in the morning. And that didn't, that's not what made me sin. I was up not long after that to get ready to go to church. Um, but it was he used barbecue as a verb and not a noun. That was upsetting. Alan, Matt, how are you guys doing before we introduce our guest here? Doing good. Doing very good. Great to hear. Uh, Alan, what about you, ma'am? Doing well. I grilled out on this Memorial Day. I did not barbecue anything. I did not barbecue anything either, but I smoked some ribs and they were good. And we're honored to have Bar Barber, Pastor First Farmersville, and president of the SBC with us, who does not believe that barbecue is a verb. He believes it's a noun, but he just does that to irritate me at five o'clock in the morning. And Alan as well. Bart, how are you? Man, I'm doing great, especially to hear how much you were bothered by that. It just makes my day. I was, I was, I was rattled the whole first service. Couldn't, couldn't get anything out. It was my church had to lay hands and pray on me. And next Sunday, I'm sending you a Traeger catalog. <laughs> Please don't do that. Uh, Bart, thanks for coming on. The annual meeting is in two weeks. We just want to ask you a few questions about why you're running again. And Yes, I am registered. <laughs> are you registered? Yes. And your church did elect you as a messenger, as they I understand. They did. Yeah. It was, it was close, though. <laughs> and they elected Matt Hensley, too, which is problematic, but I, I won't go into that. Bart, I, I think this is a question that people are interested in as they look at SBC Twitter and as they look at uh, just the SBC in general, you, you serve one year as president. Why on earth are you running for a second term? Uh, well, it's a good question. Uh, it's one I have asked myself uh, once or twice. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you, I just, um, uh, to to be just as concise as I know about it, Matt will tell you that I'm all about being concise. Hmm. Um, but um, I, I just... I feel like that there are tasks that I've undertaken that are my duty to complete. And uh, so uh, there's there's work left to be done in a couple of areas. And and uh, uh, it's one of those horses in midstream kind of situation where I just feel like the best uh, stewardship of the uh, of the responsibility that I have with the Southern Baptist Convention uh, is to try to carry some things on through all the way to completion. All right. Well, according to the annual church profile information, First Baptist Farmersville reported 14 baptisms in 2022 and averaged 320 in weekly worship. And we collected over $1 million in total undesignated receipts with $108,276, also known as 10.67%, given through the cooperative program. Also, some gifts through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and uh, totaling over 190000 uh, to Great Commission causes. Uh, one, uh, because you and I in, in our kind of text thread and so forth, back and forth with our staff and so forth, we also have had a great just several months at church, too, uh, with baptisms and so forth. Just tell us, before we look forward with the SBC, what's God doing in Farmersville uh, in and through your church and why you're excited about that as well? 
I've been gone so much this year as president of the SBC and the church has done better than ever before. I think if I would like move to Zimbabwe, we would experience revival uh, here in Farmersville, Texas. But uh, uh, we've we've baptized now um, 23 since I've been uh, president of the SBC. And we had another come uh, Sunday yesterday um, who is who's saying, I want to be baptized next Sunday. So uh, by the time we get to New Orleans, um, I think we'll be probably up to like 24 uh, that we've seen uh, just over the course of the last 12 months, you know, since June 1st of last year. Um, and I, I'm thrilled about that. Can't take any credit for it. Like I said, I've been here less than I've ever been here before. And God's working in great ways. Uh, let me say also, you mentioned that, 10.6% cooperative program. We actually, we should give 10% of our undesignated receipts to the cooperative program. And you never know in any given year's ACP how that's going to turn out because we'll write January's cooperative program check based on December's receipts. So, you know, there's a, so there's always a mixed mismatch when we report out on a given year. It's 12 months of giving and 12 months of receipts but it's a different 12 months receipts than the 12 months of giving. So we just give 10% through the cooperative program. And, um, and, and that's just something that we're absolutely committed to. Why and do you, one, what, what, oh, sorry, Matt. I was going to say one follow-up, one more oh, thing from Farmersville. How thrilled are you that I've been telling people that your fridge is filled with Lottie Moon? It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. And I can't believe it. I, my wife told me that there were people asking, you've got Lottie, you've slaughtered Lottie. And I said, it's crazy. I, I want people to know uh, that not only has the Lottie Moon Christmas offering had a phenomenal year, but also Lottie Moon, the cow, has had a phenomenal year. She's my top performing cow in the herd. And she's not she's not going into our freezer. And I'm not letting Jay Allen Murray anywhere close to her uh, at all. Bart, as uh, we we get ready to talk about the SBC in just a moment, but you just talked about the cooperative program. We've heard about Lottie and Annie. Uh, I think people are interested in hearing about this. Why why is it important to you as a local church pastor to give generously through the cooperative program? You said we just give 10%. Well, 10% is certainly higher. I think the national average is like 4.5% for churches. So why is it important for you as a local church pastor to support the cooperative program, giving through it uh, each and every year? That's a question that we have to ask. Matt was giving you the numbers a moment ago. Uh, we could we could add a couple of staff members, uh, you know, with what we uh, give to to Southern Baptist Missions, or we could have like 50 assistants to the preaching pastor. Uh, you know, for for that amount of money, I don't but, recommend it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, we um, we do that because people who know about Jesus have responsibility toward people who don't know about Jesus. It's really just as simple as that. Jesus uh, gave us the Great Commission, and the heart of that is the idea that we're commanded those of us who know about Him. Uh, to carry the good news to people who don't know about him. And so you just can't be a faithful church without being engaged in missions. And for Baptist churches who believe 
the things that are in the Baptist faith and message, which we do at FEC Farmersville, uh, there's absolutely no way that makes more sense than to be engaged through the cooperative program, be engaged through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, these uh, these mechanisms, they they take our money and they do so much with it. And it's also, it's not incompatible with being engaged yourself. I mean, at FBC Farmersville, we go to Senegal and we've got a new partnership with Puerto Rico. And so uh, we're going and planting churches and sharing the gospel directly. Uh, but, you know, on top of that, that, that's that's a couple of different areas that we're trying to reach. But the IMB is about, we're about to be at a sending celebration at the annual meeting. I'm so excited about this. We're going to have 92 IMB missionaries who are going to be commissioned. And I don't know if people realize how staggering those numbers are, how amazing it is to have 92 missionaries appointed. I was looking at some of the closest Baptist uh, denominations to the SBC, and you know some of them will have 30 or 31 missionaries total entirely on the field. Our, our, our one class of appointments that we're commissioning is three times the missionary force of some other groups. And so, uh, you know, to be able to be engaged uh, in the Casamance region the way we are and to be able to be engaged in Puerto Rico the way that we are and other places, the work that we've done in Montana or uh, places like that, um, we, we, have, uh, we have the opportunity to do all of that and have that work be a part of an overall plan to reach the world for Christ uh, and to reach our country. That man has crossed the threshold this year of 10,000 church plants over the past several years. And uh, so we have the opportunity to be a part of doing things individually, but also know that on the side, we've got thousands of missionaries who are out going to all the places we can't go. And so for FBC Farmersville, it just makes sense for us to pray through the direct assignments God has for us, and to do that with the the comfort of knowing that we can focus on a particular area and we're not neglecting anywhere. Because through our giving and through the overall work of the SBC, uh, we have a we have uh, a whole world, whole gospel approach of trying to help people know about Jesus. Turning our attention to the annual meeting, I know Alan's probably itching to ask a question here, so I'm going to ask this and then let him. The annual him. meeting, by the way, is in New Orleans this year. Yeah, not Charlotte, like uh, ugh, a sore subject for some on this call. Um, every year, the president has to put the uh, annual meeting together, the schedule together. This is your first time doing it. People always say we don't have enough time to talk about business resolutions, whatever. Um, did you do anything unique to the schedule in setting it up this year, putting things in certain places? Uh, as you work through that, uh, t- can you, is there just anything that we should be aware of going into New Orleans? Closing yeah, with friends or friends forever. That's... The first thing, the first thing I need to do is give credit where credit is due. The fact is, we have a great committee on order of business, and it's actually the committee on order of business. And I'm a part of the, the committee on order of business as president, but it's actually the committee on order of business who plans out the annual meeting and sets the schedule. And they've been phenomenal to work with, and they've allowed me to have a lot of input on that. And we have place to focus on trying to make sure that after people invest all of the time and money that they do, 
to come to the annual meeting, uh, which we know is related to the decisions that we make and, and their sense of importance of coming to make those decisions. We've tried to prioritize that decision-making time in the way that we've set up the annual meeting this year. Um, I've, I've foregone the idea of setting up uh, different panel discussion items or uh, educational items. Uh, I mean, people have a lot of opportunities to learn about methods or, to, or and as far as sharing opinions go, Man, we got so many opinions on social media, you can't keep up with them all. So uh, I think we're in a day and time where people are able to kind of satisfy their own appetite and diet for that. And on top of that, right before we have the annual meeting, we have the pastor's conference. And Daniel Dickert has been working hard on that. That's going to be a great conference for everybody. I encourage everyone to come. Uh, and so when we get to the meeting time, we've just tried to prioritize the business. So We've taken some of the extra things uh, out, and we're not doing anything like that. And that's given us the opportunity. Uh, for example, the Resolutions Committee, for the first time in recent memory, is going to have a report that's broken up into three parts instead of two. And so that just gives uh, more time for people to be able to consider resolutions, uh, which is always an important part of the annual meeting. And it's a place where there's always a lot of focus. Uh, plus, we've tried to make sure that we have plenty of time for the appeals that we know are coming to Executive Committee Disfellowshipping Actions, for the ARITF report, uh, and for the uh, Executive Committee recommendations that will be coming back related to motions that people have made before. These things are all important, and the reason we're there is to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work through the messenger body to give us clear guidance and wisdom for how to conduct our ministries. That is incredibly exciting to hear. Uh, I think the only thing that would make it better is if you had made it so that the meeting would be another day to have extra time for more meetings. Um, that that would be great by me, but we'll probably never get back to those days. Well, let me tell uh, you, Jay, Allen, just about that, and I don't mean to to break into your question intro. I know you're about to ask something else, but I explored the possibility of our going another day, and my cardiologist said I could not survive another day in New Orleans. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that any of us will survive New Orleans. Um, Charlotte's a much better city, <laughs> but um, you address some of this and, and what you think the pressing needs are with business. But as we move forward with these resolutions, with the different items of business that you've, you've put before us, um, and that lots of others will be putting before us as messengers, what do you think the most pressing needs of the convention will be for messengers this year? Well, I do think that um, there's a there's a profound need uh, with regard to the three appeals that are there, not even just necessarily those three particular cases, although those are significant and important. One of the appeals that's coming is related to a sexual abuse case, uh, and then you have uh, two other appeals, one that's related to a church that for for many years has had um, a, a woman serving as uh, the lead pastor of that church. And then the other is the Saddleback, uh, where they have a number of women who are serving pastoral roles, roles in the church. And so um, those those topics are important topics. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to those topics. Um, but beyond those topics, 
there's just the fact that this is all new to us. Uh, this bylaw eight procedure, uh, standing credentials committee, uh, the, uh, the the disfellowshipping action that the credentials committee and the, and the executive committee can take, the idea of the appeal coming to the messenger body, and so you know we have a we have an opportunity to evaluate the way these processes work here now the very first time that we see them and so one of the things that i hope messengers will be thinking through is uh, we had some we had some problems we were trying to solve when we created this process um we tried to solve those problems by doing some things that were unprecedented for southern baptists and now we get a chance to see it unfold and to ask ourselves, uh, has this route been the best route that we can come up with? Uh, has, has, it, uh, has it taken the right amount of time to get to these decisions? Uh, has uh, it worked in a way that created conflict or that helped to resolve conflict uh, in the end, the way as this process has unfolded? Um, are the are the right people the ones who are in the authority to make the decisions? Does it line up with our polity? And all of those are questions that a lot of people are asking about this, and um, and they're questions we ought. It's perfectly appropriate for people to be looking at a process that's brand new and asking themselves, "Is this working the very best way that we can have it to work?" Uh, the questions that we're addressing are questions that are important and unavoidable. And we just want to try to make sure that uh, that we're that we're addressing these questions in the very best possible way. So uh, I hope messengers will be paying attention to that, uh, watching you know the appeals that are going to take place. Uh, we didn't sit down and say, okay, let's think through how we want to do this. It's all spelled out in Bylaw Eight very specifically for this to work the way that it's going to unfold uh, in New Orleans. And so everyone should be watching that and asking themselves. Is this the best way uh, for us to handle this? Uh, again, not because uh, of anything other than the fact that it's brand new and this is the first time we'll see it. Awesome, Bart. Uh, it is going to be May 30th when this goes live for listeners. And so we are almost literally running out of time before the SBC annual meeting and certainly being able to be elected as a messenger, all of that kind of stuff. So. If somebody is is kind of on the fence, still hasn't decided, hasn't booked their tickets, hasn't booked their Motel 6, whatever it might be, sell them in a few sentences. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Sell them in as many sentences as I guess you need uh, for, for them to be in New Orleans for the SBC annual meeting in June. Well... Assuming that you're a member of a cooperating SBC church that participates in the cooperative program, um, one of the reasons why we prefer that and prioritize that over all the other ways that we can be involved in missions is because when we give through the cooperative program, we're giving to missions efforts that are accountable to Southern Baptists. Now, not accountable to one or two Southern Baptists, accountable to all Southern Baptists to the collection of Southern Baptists who gathers messengers at the annual meeting. And so uh, I think that's a stewardship. And I always try to prioritize going to the annual meeting, even when it conflicts with other, th other things that I would love to do. Um, I try to prioritize that. 
because I feel like uh, if we're going to send that amount of money, I, if I were spending it on a staff member, I'd supervise that staff member. I'd want to look and see what that staff member was accomplishing for the work of the kingdom of God. And the annual meeting is a place where we can do that. And not to go is like, you know, not following up, see what happens with all of the, and, you know, we have people, FBC farmers, but we have folks who are on social security income who are giving to our church. That's it's sacrificial for them to give the way that they give. And we're taking a dime out of every dollar that they give us and we're sending it through the cooperative program. Your church is probably that way too. And so, uh, so I think it's just responsible to try to go to the annual meeting if you at all can. And then the other thing I'll say is this on top of the, I, I said that I've prioritized the business. And I have prioritized the business. It's still a lot of fun to go to the annual meeting or you're not doing it right. Uh, the, uh, the food is going to be amazing. New Orleans has some of the best food in the country. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the things, the Cajun food is definitely there. Uh, and you can uh, you get anything you want, really, in New Orleans. And you can get some things you shouldn't get, too. But uh, we're Baptists. We're not going to do that. But, we, uh, but we'll, we're going to have a great time in New Orleans. And on top of the food and the events, the things that you can learn, the work that you can do to find new uh, approaches for your church, the encouragement that you can get at the pastor's conference. On top of all that, one of the best things about the annual meeting is just to run into people you know who are serving in Southern Baptist life somewhere or another, and just to have a little bit of time to go sit in a hotel lobby with them or uh, or go to an IHOP and, uh, and just hang out. Uh, those kind of things are always amazing, and um, and and that's worth the price of admission all by itself. So, uh, if you're on the fence, come and experience the SBC annual meeting. Every year we have we have hundreds and hundreds of people for whom it's their very first time to go to the annual meeting, and uh, you know every Southern Baptist ought to make an effort to do that at some point or another. I think it'll help you to really get excited about missions. And if you're going to pick any time that you can come, be sure to come that first day and to experience this sending celebration that I and B and Nam are going to be doing. That's that's going to be amazing. And I think it's really going to give you uh, a level of excitement about what really the SBC exists to do. I saw that we're doing that again at the very beginning of the annual meeting. I think it sets a great tone uh, for what we're about as Southern Baptists, and hopefully that will help carry out our tone of what we should be about throughout the annual meeting. Uh, Bart, I got one more question. Alan may have another one. Um, if if our listeners want to listen to another interview, Bart did an interview with Baptist 21, answered a lot of direct questions really about the annual meeting, so that's a great place to go look at and listen to. Uh, my last question will be this. Uh, I've heard a lot of hoopla recently about we need to do away with the resolutions process. Resolutions cause more problems. They embarrass us. You know, they're not binding on a church just for the annual meeting. Uh, so we should just do away with that and have more time for business and get rid of the resolutions because that's what causes a lot of the fighting and things like that. I think the resolutions process is important. I wrote a resolution this year. I don't know if we'll be brought out. I, I hope it is, but I still think it's an important process no matter what. I know I think you chaired the committee last year. I know mm -hmm. you feel strong about resolutions. Speak just for a moment. Why is it important that we do resolutions at the annual meeting? 
Well, ultimately, the messengers have the right to speak to events that are ongoing in the world around us. And um, and and who's going to deprive them of that right? Are, are you going to tell Baptists that they can't speak because you might not like what they have to say? Uh, good luck with that. And so really the resolutions process that we have with the committee and everything else, um, if you get rid of all of that, then people can just walk up to a microphone and move that the convention speak to something. And, and at least the process that we have, I think is a great process. It's been examined. It's being changed a little bit. I think that there are some problems that we've had with the resolutions process, but I think the primary problems are being addressed. And that the, the major problem is that you would get resolutions not long before you had to vote on them. And sometimes they're lengthy and complex. And um, so we're addressing that. You're going to get, not this year, but you're going to get resolutions earlier in the year. Uh, not a lot earlier, but a few days before the annual meeting where you can read through all of them and have a good idea what you're voting about. Uh, I think that goes a long way. Uh, and in the end, we have this process so that you have to submit resolutions early instead of just throwing them together at the microphone. So you really only get resolutions from people who care enough about it and are thoughtful enough about it and disciplined enough about it to write a resolution in advance and, and submit it ahead of time. And I think that's a pretty good filter. And then, and then we put it into the hands of a committee and the committee um, thinks very carefully about all the topics that are submitted. And so that also provides uh, a way to make sure that the resolutions that make it to the messenger for a vote are the very best that they could be. And, um, I say this in spite of the fact that I don't think probably anybody has had more resolutions turned down by the resolutions committee than I have. I've been submitting resolutions for 15 years and, um, and I was the chair of the resolutions committee and I submitted three resolutions last year and my own committee turned me down for all three of the resolutions and they were good resolutions. Uh, but uh, you know, the process that we have is really a process that takes this right that Southern Baptists have to speak to issues that are ongoing in the world around them, and um, and it and it and it places uh, some 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 boundaries on it that help to channel it in a way that we do the very best that we can with it. And everybody can point to a resolution or two that's been controversial, but look at some of the resolutions that have made a big difference. The resolution on the Uyghur genocide that really uh, affected U.S. policy. I think. Uh, and if you look at the fact that uh, we've adopted uh, more than 20 resolutions about abortion over the course of 40 years that have articulated our pro-life sentiment, um, you know, that's something that helps us when we address legislators and jurists to be able to show that Southern Baptists really do have consistent convictions about this topic that we've expressed many, many times. And so I think a lot of good has been accomplished by resolutions. And um, and, and I would just commend people, uh, commend to people the idea of leaning into it and just trying to work really hard to make the most of it that it can be. What's your resolution about? I wrote a resolution on the appreciation of Southern Baptist women because uh, I just okay. kind of felt like um, – 
we've been talking a lot about women in Southern Baptist life, and I think we need to appreciate them. So kind of speaks to Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, women in the Bible, and uh, the different call, different callings of men and women, but that there would be no cooperative program without women because women make up at least half, if not the majority of our churches, and they give. And so if there are no women, there probably would be no SBC today. Be it resolved. Yeah. Well, we we are making our way uh, to the end of this interview. Of course, this is the Potluck Podcast. We talk Southern Baptist life and Southern culture, and we have had a uh, water hose helping of Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting this evening. And uh, I have long appreciated you, Dr. Bart Barber, but we have not always agreed on our Southern culture topic. But this is one area I think we may find agreement. Um, your beloved Texas culinary delight that is Bluebell ice cream uh, often puts out seasonal flavors. And I was able to try one that is probably the most Texas a bluebell flavor that I can imagine as somebody not being from Texas, and that is the Dr. Pepper float bluebell ice cream. Have you had it? What did you think about it? Listen, here's the pro level for it. First of all, uh, I want you to know that I've had it, and I consider myself an expert. Although I wasn't born in Texas, I did go to Baylor, and that's Waco. That's the home of Dr. Pepper where it was created. And at Waco, they have Dr. Pepper floats every week. Uh, it's a regularly scheduled thing in the student center. And uh, so my wife and I both, you know, we've experienced that there. The flavors, it's Bluebell. Bluebell does not miss on flavor. They just never do. And the flavors are spot on. But the only thing I would say, here's how to take it to the next level. Pour a little Dr. Pepper in on top of it. Because what you are missing is that liquid uh, experience in it. It's all ice cream. It's all frozen. You don't need as much Dr. Pepper because there's Dr. Pepper flavoring in the ice cream, but it really goes to the next level. If you put just a little bit of uh, liquid Dr. Pepper in the Dr. Pepper float ice cream. So you're recommending a fusion rather than immersion when it comes to the Dr. Pepper float ice cream. So uh, that is true. Uh, I, I am recommending that, but we know that uh, you know Roger Williams was baptized that way so um so so we can make allowances i want to let our listeners in on something here about one of our co-hosts Matt Hensley Bart you probably know this Alan i don't know if you know this or not but my last week in texas before i moved back to alabama matt and i got together several times and we go to eat lunch one day and he tells the waitress that he would like a mixed drink and i kind of get taken aback he goes yeah i want a diet dr pepper with a splash of regular Dr. Pepper in it. And so Matt drinks mixed drinks, Diet Dr. Pepper with a splash of Dr. Pepper in it. I sure do. Every time. <laughs> I have Every seen time. it. Yeah. Let me give you one other Bluebell tip while we're talking about Bluebell. Okay. Uh, so my sister discovered this when she ran out of Bluebell of the flavor that she was looking for. And so she was, uh, she had peaches and cream Bluebell. And uh, she was trying to make a milkshake to take to my mom, and she didn't have enough. But she had another flavor of Bluebell there. It's the oatmeal cream pie. Oh, it's good. Bluebell. And she took, she had two scoops of peaches and cream. She got one scoop of the oatmeal cream pie, put that in there, and made a milkshake. And it tastes like peach cobbler. Oh, my God. Because the oatmeal cream pie kind of gives you a little bit of that crust. Oh, yeah. In there. 
And I'm telling you, I, I have tried it now since then, and it is remarkable. You need to make sure that the scoop of the oatmeal cream pie ice cream contains the oatmeal cream pie cake in it, okay? Uh, the, the, a good hunk of the actual oatmeal cream pie. That, that one's for free, guys. This should You should ignore the SBC annual meeting stuff and yeah. make that the title of this uh of this potluck podcast episode come to the come to the potluck the the here by the sbc stay for the bluebell conversation alan go ahead that's right if we serve those and i have had the oatmeal uh cream pie bluebell it was really good uh, but if we serve those at the annual meeting um i know we can't do a potluck the ECC doesn't like that i'm still salty about it but if we serve those we might all get along and not make the papers i'm just saying <laughs> very possible well, hey, Bart, thanks for joining us on this episode. We look forward to seeing you in New Orleans, Lord uh, willing. Listeners, if you have not gotten registered, have that emergency business meeting, get elected, book your hotel, get your flight, rent your car, whatever it is that you need to do, and join us in New Orleans. It's important, and decisions are made by those who are in the room, so be there for it. Have some fellowship with some friends you haven't seen in a while, and join us next time here on the Pilot Podcast. Uh, same Baptist time, same Baptist hour, and as always... Stay Baptist, my friends.